One, Chapter Five of Clara Vaughan, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Clara Vaughan, Volume One by R. D. Blackmore. Book One, Chapter Five. On the fifth anniversary of my father's death, when I was fifteen years of age, I went to visit, as I always did upon that day, the fatal room. Although this chamber had been so long unused, the furniture was allowed to remain, and I insisted passionately that it should be my charge. What had seemed the petulance of a child was now the strong will of a thoughtful girl. I took the key from my bosom where I always kept it, and turned it in the lock no mortal had entered that door since i passed it in my last paroxysm three weeks and a day before i saw a cobweb reaching from the black finger plate to the third mould of the beading the weather had been damp and the door stuck fast to the jam then yielded with a crack though i was bold that day and in a mood of triumph some awe fell on me as i entered there hung the heavy curtain last drawn by the murderer's hand there lay the bedclothes raised for the blow and replaced on death and there was the pillow where sleep had been so long prolonged all these i saw with a forced and fearful glance and my breath stood still as the wind in a grave presently a light cloud floated off the sun and a white glare from the snow of the morning burst across the room my sight was not so dimmed with tears as it generally was when i stood there for i had just read the history of a long hidden crime detected and my eyes were full of fierce hope but stricken soon to the wonted depth of sadness with the throbs of my heart falling like the avenger's step i went minutely through my death inspection i felt all round the dusty wainscot opened the wardrobes and cupboards raised the lids of the deep bayed window seats peered shuddering down the dark closet where i believed the assassin had lurked started and stared at myself in the mirror to see how lone and wan i looked and then approached the bed to finish my search in the usual place by lying and sobbing when my father died i had glanced beneath it and round the pillars and clutched the curtain as if to squeeze out the truth and was just about to throw myself on the coverlet and indulge the fit so bitterly held at bay when something on the hangings above the headboard stopped me suddenly there i saw a narrow line of deep and glowing red it grew so vivid on the faded damask and in the white glare of the level sun that i thought it was on fire hastily setting a chair by the pillar for i would not tread on that bed I leaped up and closely examined the crimson vein. Without thinking, I knew what it was, the heart-blood of my father. There were three distinct and several marks, traced by the reeking dagger. The first on the left, which had caught my glance, was the broadest and clearest to read. Two lines, meeting at a right angle, rudely formed a Roman L. Rudely, I say, for the poniard had been too rich in red ink, which had clotted where the two strokes met. The second letter was a Roman D, formed also 
by two bold strokes the upright very distinct the curve less easily traced to the top but the lower part deep and clear the third letter was not so plain it looked like a c at first but on further examination i felt convinced that it was meant to be an o left incomplete through the want of more writing fluid or was it then that my mother had seized the dark author by the hair as he stooped to incline his pen that the last drop might trickle down deciphering thus with fingers and eyes i traced these letters of blood one by one over and over again till they danced in my gaze like the northern lights i stood upon tiptoe and kissed them i cared not what i was doing it was my own father's blood and i thought of the heart it came from not of the hand which shed it when i turned away the surprise for which till then i had found no time broke full upon me how could these letters in spite of all my vigilance so long have remained unseen why did the murderer peril his life yet more by staying to write the record and seal perhaps the conviction of his deed and what did these characters mean of these three questions the first was readily solved the other two remained to me as new shadows of wonder several causes had conspired to defer so long this discovery in the first place the damask had been of rich lilac shot with a pile of carmine which in the waving play of light glossed at once and obscured the crimson stain until the fading hues of art left in strong contrast nature's abiding paint secondly my rapid growth and the clearness of my eyes that day lessened the distance and favoured perception again and this was perhaps the paramount cause the winter sun with rays unabsorbed by the snow threw its sheer dint upon that very spot keen level and uncoloured a thing which could happen on few days in the year and for few minutes each day and which had never happened during my previous search perhaps there was also some chemical action of the rays of light which evoked as well as showed the colour but of this i do not know enough to speak suffice it that the letters were there at first a great shock and terror but soon a strong encouragement to me my course was at once to perpetuate the marks and speculate upon them at leisure for i knew not how fleeting they might be i hurried downstairs and speaking to no one procured some clear tissue paper applying this to the damask and holding a card behind i carefully traced with a pencil so much of the letters as could be perceived through the medium and completed the sketch by copying most carefully the rest it was however beyond my power to keep my hand from trembling a shade flitted over my drawing oh how my heart leaped when i had finished the pencil sketch and before it was inked over for i could not bring myself to paint it red i knelt where my father died and thanked god for this guidance to me by the time i had dried my eyes the sun was past and the lines of blood were gone even though i knew where to seek them having left a pin in the damask by measuring i found that the letters were just three feet and a quarter above the spot where my father's head had been the largest of them the l was three inches long and an eighth of an inch in width the others were nearly as long but nothing like so wide trembling now for the rush of passion which stills the body was past and stepping silently on the long silent floor i went to the deep dark mullioned windows and tried to look forth 
after all my lone tumult perhaps i wanted to see the world but my jaded eyes and brain showed only the same three letters burning on the snow and sky evening a winter evening was fluttering down the sun was spent and stopped by a gray mist and the landscape full of dreariness and cold for miles the earth lay white and wan and nothing to part life from death no step was on the snow no wind among the trees fences shrubs and hillocks were as wrinkles in a winding sheet and every stark branch had like me its own cold load to carry but on the left just in sight from the gable window was a spot black as midnight in the billowy snow it was the spring which had stored for me the footprints perhaps i was superstitious then the omen was accepted suddenly a last gleam from the dauntless sun came through the ancient glass and flung a crimson spot upon my breast it was the red heart centre of our shield one with coeur de lion o oh, scutcheons blazonments and other gewgaws by which men think to ennoble daylight murders how long shall fools account it honour to be tattooed with you mercy fellow feeling truth humility virtues that never flap their wings but shrink lest they should know they stoop what have these won gaze sinister and their crest a pillory with that red pride upon my breast and that black heart within and my young form stately with revenge i was a true descendant of crusaders End of chapter 5